a lot of young people today correctly um, say, you know, you know, what is conservatism conserving? I mean, they make fun of us. They say you're not you're not really conservatives. And uh, there there is some truth to that accusation because because uh, if you're 35 years old and you're not you know you you're not getting married and you're not having kids and all you care about is your you know is is uh, how famous you're going to be and what you know wh where your career is taking you you can't be a conservative. I mean you you can be someone who conservatives like to listen to on podcasts, but you can't be a conservative person. Um, conservative person is someone who leads a conservative life. Conservative life is a life of transmission, like I said, and uh, and don't think you know how to do that because you know because you, you read a couple of parenting books. It's much much harder than you think. Howdy, everyone, and welcome back to Moment of Truth, the podcast of American Moment. My name is Saurabh Sharma. I'm the president of American Moment, and I'm joined by Nick Solheim, the COO of American Moment. And we have a fantastic episode for you guys today, one that's been a long time coming. Uh, but unfortunately, our guest uh, is usually not in the United States. And so uh, it took a while for us to grab him while he is stateside. Uh, we had on today uh, Dr. Yoram Hazoni, uh, who is, among other things, the president of the Herzl Institute in Jerusalem, the chairman of the Edmund Burke Foundation, which puts on the National Conservatism Conference that many of you have probably been to. He's the host of NatCon Talk and uh, the author of two recent books, uh, The Revelation at Sinai, What is Torah from Heaven mean? And more importantly, for the purposes of this conversation, conservatism, a rediscovery. Um, it's, a, it's a chunky tome, and uh, I'm only just now working my way through it. But uh, Dr. Azoni has a lot to say about sort of where the conservative movement went wrong, where it's gone right, and what the future of conservatism might be. And so we, we enjoyed a really broad ranging conversation on uh, both his background, why he's personally a conservative, um, what motivated him to write this book, what the future of the right needs to be, uh, what his home country of, uh, uh, of Israel, where he spends most of his time is like. And, um, you know, for, for many of his critics, we also asked, you know, well, why is someone who spends most of his time living in Israel uh, got so much to say about American nationalism? So he, he answered that question in good faith, uh, along with many others. I don't know. What did you think about it, Nick? was a really great episode. I've really enjoyed uh, Dr. Hazoni's work for a long time. Uh, he, you know, he strikes me as a guy. He does a lot. He does a lot of things as, as you know, Sarab just read his bio. Uh, yeah, he's got like nine kids doing a ton of different jobs, just writing books willy nilly. Uh, but one of the first, you know, books I read when, when we kind of started to prepare uh, the launch of American Moment was uh, The Virtues of, Nation of Nationalism, uh, which was a truly fantastic, just really set my mind on on kind of the issues that, that we're really concerned about here at, uh, at American Moment um, and learning uh, more about how nationalism is an issue of the heart uh, instead of the mind. It's not knowing statistics, not knowing specific policies, but, but it's how you feel about your country. And so um, I've always been deeply appreciative of Dr. Hazoni's work, and I'm really excited to have him on the show today. Yeah, and so as always, go to AmericanMoment.org to see everything else we have cooking, rate and review this podcast five stars. Um, but for now, we'll go straight to Dr. Yoram Hazoni. Dr. Hazoni, thank you for coming on the podcast. Sure, my pleasure. 
Uh, you're finally in Washington, D.C., which is why we were, we were very excited to have you on. You know, we could have done this remote at some point over the last year and a half, but it, it just didn't feel right. So we're glad to have you in studio. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, because it's certainly an interesting one. Your history uh, being involved in, in American conservatism is long. And I think that story would, would really be edifying to our, our viewers and listeners. T- tell us how you got here. Okay, sure. I, I, um, I, I should say I have a new book coming out, mm-hmm. uh, Conservatism, a Rediscovery. And uh, uh, the, the book has an autobiographical uh, chapter, which mm-hmm. just, just does this. It tell, you know, tells how my wife and I, uh, in college, how we became, you know, how, how we joined up with the conservative movement. And, and there was a, a, a religious revival at the time. These were the you know, Reagan-Thatcher years, uh, the, the end of the Cold War. John Paul II was the uh, was the you know the first Polish pope, which was you know, this very very dramatic religious moment. And uh, uh, and at Princeton there was uh, there was a multi you know a multi denominational uh, uh, political and religious revival going on. There 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 were uh, uh, Catholics, Protestants, Jews. Um, who um, who were inspired by the uh, that movement also called itself you know let's make America great again. Yeah. I mean that was the original let's make America great great again. As far as I know, I had that poster on my wall um, uh, during the Reagan when I was in high school during the Reagan's Reagan campaign, and um, uh, when when. We got to Princeton. It was just a few months after we got there that uh, that uh, Julie uh, later later my wife that Julie and I went to uh, New York City to um, to the Institute for Educational Affairs, which was Irving Kristol's outfit, and um, uh, we're looking for support to start a conservative publication at Princeton, which became the Princeton Tory. Um, the the biggest influences in those days, and people are going to be surprised, but uh, Irving Kristol, the father of neoconservatism, was you know what we would call a natcon today. The neoconservative movement has gone in a very di- different direction, but in those days, and in my book, I bring you know le- lengthy quotations from from Kristol, the father, um, and uh, uh, and George Will's. Writings were also uh, national conservative, and you know, I, I I don't know how he feels about it today. I assume that, uh, you know, he's certainly in a very very different place. Uh, but for those of us at that time, um, who were looking to connect to, um, you know, the uh, the Anglo American nationalist tradition and the uh, the tradition of public religion in America, people forget that. Uh, that the Reagan Alliance was um, uh, a very significant part of the Reagan Alliance was uh, uh, people uh, like Jerry Falwell and Billy Graham and uh, uh, the the um, uh, the socially culturally religious conservative wing of Reaganism was was powerful and outspoken and Reagan was a wholehearted supporter of that uh, Reagan. Uh, one of his early acts was to uh, to propose a constitutional amendment to put prayer back in in the public school system in the United States, and uh, 
um, you know, one of his first acts in terms of foreign policy was to, uh, w w when he came into office, he 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 was a a big uh, emotional supporter, I think, not just intellectually of the um, uh, of the Polish uprising. The the solidarity movement was, you know, it wasn't a trade trade union; it was an unofficial political party, and it was an uprising against communism. People think that's about personal freedom today, but when you when you were there, when you saw it, what was really going on was it was sparked by the first Polish pope coming to Poland, and it was an immensely religious Catholic event, and it was nationalist. It was Catholic nationalist. It was uh, it was about the independence of Catholic Poland, and uh, Reagan was you know although his background was Irish, he was he was wholeheartedly um, uh, behind this. When he came into office, uh, he has to be briefed about Poland every day on a daily basis. Um, so he and Thatcher and the Pope were, uh, uh, were fanning, fueling a religious nationalist uh, uprising in, in, in Eastern Europe. And if you think it was just about Eastern Europe, when it got to the Falklands War, it was the, you know, uh, uh, um, th it was the opportunity for Reagan to show that his nationalism um, extended to, uh, uh, to 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 Britain and the United States. You know, despite the fact that in a lot of ways it was not helpful to American foreign policy, but uh, the United States got behind Britain in that war. And um, I, I think the way that Reagan understood it was uh, that Britain had kind of been on a slide into. Um, feeling irrelevant, uh, feeling you know everything had been lost, you know at least since the 1950s, uh, since Suez, and uh, Reagan saw, I think, in Thatcher the potential to be, to turn Britain into a you know into a powerful, serious uh, ally, and uh, the the way that he did it was to back to back this war, and the fact that Britain you know could. Project power on you know on the other side of the globe still, and 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 win a war with with smaller forces that nobody thought they could win. All of this was um, uh, w w w uh, was was part of a a consistent program of trying to give moral strength and uh, and uh, passion to uh, to Western nations to, to Western nationalism and to the alliance of Western nations. Uh, and uh, as I said before, religion was an you know integral part of this. So um, we started this magazine, which uh, which was a uh, a, a full throated uh, a Reaganite publication, except that it it's not what you know uh, what what people mean by Reaganite today. Of course, all of us did read Milton Friedman, and uh, uh, and 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 there 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 was there was plenty of that. But on the other hand, you know, Reagan was no ideologue in that direction either. When you know, when 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 he needed to put up tariffs, uh, he did put up tariffs for 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 steel and automobiles, and um, there was never a moment that people doubted that his his concern was uh, for the American nation broadly, which you know meant, meant you know not not just fat cats, but the um, but but working Americans that I mean that's who we spoke to mm -hmm. um, so uh, uh, 
at, at Princeton, we, we were inspired. We put out this publication. Um, but a big theme in my book um, is, uh, is about being personally conservative. As, um, you know, it's not, it's not enough to, you know, to be really good, you know, appear on podcasts saying, um, I, I, I support pro-family policies or, uh, or, or pro-worker policies or something like that. You, um, you have to live the life. And I, I think that's kind of been, been lost. Conservatism is about a, a, a transmission an active transmission, reception, restoration, transmission um, of uh, what's what what's good and beautiful in the traditions of our of our forefathers, and that's something that you you can't just do by reading a book. Mm. You can only learn how to do that by being part of an an active community that is daily daily working on transmission. And practically uh, speaking, where do you think people? will ultimately fall if they simply ape the policy ideas and the political principles but don't live it out themselves well i i, I think that's a I, I think that's a lot of the story of mm -hmm. the um of the of post-war conservatism is is that you know if you if you want to understand the 1960s in buckley you have to you have, you have to understand that the, the, this this was a uh, a a world in which uh, liberal assumptions had already um, had had you know had had already won uh, after World War II, and uh, people just sort of assumed that you could leave um, religion and uh, uh, nationalism and tradition and belief in God and Scripture. They 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 just assumed that it was so strong in America. They thought you could just leave it to the you know. To, to people's private lives, and it would just sort of happen by itself. Everybody switched into this mode of think, thinking about public policy and 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 uh, uh, and and privatizing any issues you know that were you know that were too sensitive. And uh, look, the 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 nineteen sixties conservatism um, it had its um, it had its big achievements that that. You know that is the force that ultimately won the Cold War, um, but it but it 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 failed entirely in being able to uh, preserve families. I, I, we shouldn't even talk about preserving it. In it, it failed in in allowing for the flourishing of families. It failed to allow for the flourishing of religion, um, and. Uh, uh, you know, you just you just have you you just have to look at the the elimination of of God and Scripture, uh, from 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 the American school system. You know, a, a, a completely crazy revolutionary kind of thing. Uh, people believed the church was enough, and it's it's nowhere near enough. So, um, I I think the answer is pretty pretty straight straightforward. A lot of young people today, correctly, um, say you know. You know what is conservatism conserving? I mean, they make fun of us. They say you're not you're not really conservatives, and uh, there there is some truth to that accusation because because uh, if you're 35 years old and you're not you know you you're not getting married and you're not having kids and all you care about is your you know is is uh, 
how famous you're going to be and what you know where your career is taking you. You can't be a conservative. I mean, you you can be someone who conservatives like to listen to on podcasts, but you can't be a conservative person. Um, conservative person is someone who leads a conservative life. Conservative life is a life of transmission, like I said, and uh, and don't think you know how to do that because you know because you, you read a couple of parenting books. It's much much harder than you think. I think this has been a very interesting theme that I've started to see in this, you know, conservative movement, uh, especially over the last year or two, is that um, a lot of our policy positions have almost come become like technocratic because there's not a lot of heart, soul, feeling behind it and so we we turn to these kind of like well if we tweak the the child tax credit exactly this way or like do this thing exactly this way then maybe people will have families and i remember reading your 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 first book and you talked you know about how uh nationalism is an issue of the heart um not of the mind it's not like a it's not like a thing that you can just build if you get the policies exactly right. It's a it's a feeling. It's something that you have to really engender in in everybody in the in the soul of your nation. Um, something that you talk a lot about, um, and it's actually we've got the representatives of all those uh, faiths at this table. Um, is this kind of uh, conservative alliance between Jews, Catholics, and Protestants? Um, how do you see that relationship um, and that kind of coalition um, as a part of the conservative movement? In other words, how can faiths that have some things in common but are also different um, be able to kind of regenerate the conservative movement? Um, well, the, I, that's really what the new – I mean the the new book goes – uh, uh, far beyond nationalism, and it gives uh, it gives both a a history of the conservative movement going back, I mean, to, to like three hundred years before Burke, um, and uh, uh, and to the American founding, and so on. Um, but a lot of the book is political theory, and uh, um, w w when I say political theory, I mean I don't don't want to scare readers. I mean I think. It, it, it's not jargon you I, I think it's pretty accessible anybody can understand it but but um, what I wanted to do was to to provide a uh, a common foundation for for understanding a biblically based um, anglo-american uh, conservative tradition which which I, I I also think can have an, a lot of influence outside of the anglosphere I mean I from from uh, contacts in Europe, and I know Israel pretty well. I mean, the, the, there are other countries that can learn from this also, but the the, the audience is is primarily America and Britain, and um, uh, and what I what I try to show is that uh, that there's always been a, um, a a very strong tradition of um, we we can call it the common law inheritance. Which, which which feeds into the American Constitution, um, but that common law inherit, inheritance is it it is a Christian inheritance. Uh, it, it's uh, it's Christian. It's uh, very strongly Old Testament oriented. Which I mean, it's a 
very interesting thing. Obviously, doesn't doesn't scant the New Testament, but uh, but the Old Testament is kind of uh, um, the uh, the the heart of of Christian nationalism and Christian uh, uh, love of nation is tied up with uh, the image of ancient Israel and thinking you know that we're the new Israel, not you know not just in terms of like the heart. Uh, you know, like individualism, but uh, our, our our country could be in covenant with God. Our our communities could you know could join in this covenant. Um, so the 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 book is actually it's it's aimed to do that. It's aimed to I mean you know I I don't obviously I don't hide the fact that that I'm 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 Jewish and I uh, and, and you're absolutely right that there are. You know, very, very deep differences between uh, Judaism and Christianity, and between different kinds of Christian movements. But, uh, but there is a common base, I think, and uh, and that that common base um, be- begins with an understanding for why we need God as part of part of our politics, and goes from there to um, to an anthropology, meaning a a view of human beings. Um, not as dissociated atoms, but human beings who are born into families. Families are, when they're functioning well, they're part of a broader congregation or community. And those congregations are part of, you know, you can call them tribes. I mean, we don't we don't like to use the word so much anymore, but, you know, those tribes obviously exist in America, just like in every other country. And a nation is diverse. It's always diverse because it consists of, it's an alliance of these you know of these big tribal or you know groupings these 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 large loyalty groups and um and so um you know uh, there there there's a place in america for um protestants and catholics and 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 also for jews and for other uh, uh, other kinds of groups um with within an alliance that makes up uh, a nation but um to make that stick and and I, I think um, a lot of the issue is um, learning to think again about the need for for these different groups to be loyal to one another uh, the need for competing political parties to be loyal f- to one another I mean what 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 we're seeing today in the United States is um, is uh, simply the the um, the uh, dramatic weakening almost to the bursting point of the bonds between the among the different tribes, which make it possible for the nation to you know to 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 function as a you know a, 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 as a whole and to go forward and and preserve itself or, and grow stronger. Um, so um, there is a common base, uh, at least you know I can see it. Uh, but uh, but we we need to return to it. We need to restore it. We we. we that that's not going to be simple. Uh, let me give you you know one obvious uh, example. Um, uh, mi- minorities, you know, like uh, Orthodox Jews in, in in America, I I think need to be supportive of uh, of efforts to establish a Christian public life in in those parts of the country where you know where that's still possible. You know you. I, there's not going to be it's a. Probably not going to happen in California. <laughs> right. There's not. Look, I, 
I know on the right, there's all, all sorts of people sell, selling, you know, selling this kind of uh, snake oil of uh, sure, let's just have a dictatorship. But um, I think it's I, I think it's kind of fantasy because I think they don't understand how you know what it would actually take to get to dictatorship and what mm. would be left if 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 it were there. So um, I I I I think that people who have any any kind of um, uh, sense of what is um, uh, not what is decent, just what could possibly work, um, have to see a restoration of of uh, of a strong Christian public presence, public life, uh, as the the only answer for restoring America. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the the uh, the the other roads that are gonna that, that that you know people on the right on the far right are offering those are roads that will destroy everything that exists. Mm-hmm. So, a uh, couple of uh, deeper questions on this. So, one of the elements of of the kind of nationalism that you uh, support is is its particularism depending on the country and and place they're talking about and so you you've often spoken uh, about sort of two elements that would be particular to American nationalism namely it's sort of anglo-american heritage and then also the Protestant roots of this country um, those are things that are not often emphasized um, in and and certainly haven't been I, I would say in the conservative movements as, as it's existed in Nick and I's lifetimes now why do you think both of those, particular characteristics are important to to emphasize and um, what do they bring to the table without which project will not succeed well look I I, I don't I, I want to be careful about the you know about the Protestant roots of the country it the, the United States um, certainly is uh, you, you know like like Britain for for many centuries um, uh, has been a country that understood itself and and drew its its uh, its uh, its its values from from Protestant tradition. Um, I don't I don't think that it's um, impossible. I think I, I think it often happens in history that uh, that a strong nation can add um, add new tribes to itself. Uh, it's it's not a simple thing to do. Okay, because be, 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 you know, be, because because the 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 uh, the natural human tendency is for human loyalty groups to compete with one another, and uh, and you know, let, let just let let's take a simple example like like marriage. In a marriage, you think you know the husband and wife are always working together, and the children are supposed to be like this harmonious, you know, doing what their parents tell them, but that's that's not actual human life. Actual <laughs> actual human life is. Husbands and wives, you know, even if in the best marriages they 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 bicker, they what are they doing when they're bickering? They're they're jostling for sort of position in terms of you know the the, the economy of honors within the family. Who's who, who's going to receive more honor? Who's going to have more influence? Who's going to you know get to make decisions? Who you know, uh, uh, and all these things happen among the kids too. The ki- kids are you know uh, real kids. You know, not imaginary ones. Real kids that like they're they're always fighting. They they they're always trying to you know to 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 get ahead and to be like like a little bit more recognized and a little bit more in charge than their brothers and sisters. And the thing thing to understand about human collectives in general, which again, this kind of the kind of thing is very basic to political theory, but we rarely talk about it, is that human beings compete up until the point where there's some kind of 
threat or collective uh, effort which brings them back to their loyalties okay and that and this is you know this is as hard, hardwired as anything there is we'll compete until there's a greater project that brings us together and then we you know then we stop competing and 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 we're on the same side and we fight against or in favor of what we need to fight for um and uh the the idea that somehow all this competition and all this bickering can be separated from the state and privatized so that there's no dominant you know there's 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 no dominant group this is like it's a it's a fantasy and it's an incredibly destructive fantasy america flourished when it had you know when it had a dominant a a a, a dominant group and a dominant culture and and that was protestant and i certainly um sympathize with catholics or jews um with with uh, black americans with 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 others who felt that you know that that they weren't they didn't have a good place within within that society right i mean the, a, a lot of the a lot of the objections are you know they're completely well taken but it doesn't change the fact that if there's no dominant group uh which is setting the tone uh then then you uh, the, then the the domestic peace becomes a uh a, a a much more aggressive competition a much more violent competition and and it'll continue like that until somebody until somebody wins dominance mm -hmm. and so um you know i i i i think it's just denial about human nature to think that you know what we need to do is create a neutral state there are no neutral states and trying to create the new neutral state for first you know first ended the you know the the protestant hegemony and re replaced it with a lib liberal hegemony which lasted just a few decades and now in you know as of 2020 th that liberal hegemony has also collapsed and and you know what what's trying to the the strongest force trying to impose hegemony right now is this neo-marxist woke thing you know which it'll it'll destroy all of us and i think um so so i think the first thing that um that protestantism or you know maybe it'll be um uh, a protestant catholic alliance i mean it's, i i think that's that's more likely is that that protestants and catholics will come to some kind of um uh, uh vision of what they're going to do together but in any case it's going to have to be uh, a matter of restoring public christianity what 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 does that give it gives um it gives society a uh, a tone and a direction which is able to uh hand important things down from generation to generation so certainly that's uh that's um uh, uh god and scripture and religion but i think people fail to understand that that uh religious traditions i mean these are the same traditions that also um uh uphold the american constitution for example mm -hmm. you 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 get rid of the traditional uh, uh protestant view or, pro or or christian view you get rid of that and you know who actually is left supporting supporting the american constitution so people say oh no there's the liberals were supportive of it but but it doesn't last i mean the whole the whole problem we're dealing with is is again what would you need to be able to conserve something mm -hmm. and to be able to conserve something 
there 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 has to be a you know a uh, a, a predominant cu culture which is which is which knows how to conserve which is about conserving which is which inculcates day to day hour to hour passes things down down to its children mm -hmm. and that that's not the neo marxist woke thing mm -hmm. i mean they're not they're not about passing down anything they're not even about passing down their own things mm -hmm. e every 5 years they're going to be about something else mm -hmm. cuz cuz they're a nonstop revolutionary movement mm -hmm. and and liberalism itself is also a kind it, it's a it's a kind of revolutionary movement if you take it uh if you strip it of the the christianity and the biblical basis which is holding it in place liberalism also becomes a a revolutionary movement and it pretty quickly mm -hmm. turns into you know this marxist stuff so so i have a question so the kind of society you've described with a sort of dominant christianity that infuses the entire culture seems to me very capable of taking an already christian civilization and preserving the ability for families to pass that down to their children their grandchildren their great-grandchildren um, it creates the space where sort of that cultural and religious um, continuity can exist what happens when that continuity is broken. I mean, if you look at the rates of religiosity amongst millennials and Generation Z and even Generation X, uh, it's craterously low. Yep. And so those people have nothing to pass on to their children. Right. And so imposing public Christianity post-fact to that set of people, you know, maybe it'll create some 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 speed breaks on on the the nonstop cultural revolution around us, but you can't you can't revive something that's already dead. Uh, how, how do you how do you answer that? I mean, it, it, well, it, I, I I I agreed with everything up to you know everything up to the last sentence. Well, I mean, you, you're you, you're certainly right that something that that is you know totally dead is not you know it it. It's it becomes, you can't conserve it. Well, what's right? there to no, conserve? No, it, be, it yeah. becomes the it becomes the dust of history. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but I think a, a common and 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 I said before that I mean I I I think we're we're talking at this stage about what can be done in those areas that still have Christian majorities, mm -hmm. and and that's that that's an important point because um, re restoring a Christian majority in. Um, I, I mean, a Christian public life in in uh, states and parts of the country where, you know, where there's where there's still a strong Christian majority, or at mm -hmm. least a pro-Christian majority, that's one issue, and 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 that that's not imposing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm describing something different. Um, we're not talking about a um, you know, overthrowing the American Constitution and putting putting in some kind of Christian dictator, you know, who's going to by force re-Christianize everybody. I mean, th this is this is all nonsense. Americans, mm -hmm. are, I mean, th there's there's no conceivable um, constellation in which Americans can do that. What what is conceivable, and I, I'm not saying that it's easy, but what is conceivable is that parts of the country can um, uh, can recognize that the experiment of dechristianization you know which began in the 1940s and you know reached its pinnacle by you know by the 1970s that 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 experiment in dechristianizing the public sphere in, in in America has has simply destroyed the country it's on a path to 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 bringing com complete ruin and the dissolution of the state and 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 the people and if people can understand that 
um, then what we're talking about is uh, is a um, is a a revival and a restoration, and a revival and a restoration. It it has to be based first and foremost on uh, on um, uh, leadership who themselves are are going through some kind of restorative process. Mm-hmm. Okay, in other words, I don't um, I um, I don't expect people who are um, uh, live a completely libertine life, or you know, completely liberal life, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, th- th- they themselves have no idea what you know uh, what uh, transmission from generation to generation is about. Mm-hmm. I, I don't expect them to be able to pull this off, mm-hmm. uh, which which means that we have to be talking, and we don't have a lot of time, you know. So you know. We have to be talking about two things hap- happening simultaneously. One is um, is in those areas where it's still possible, um, the promotion of you know of of uh, uh, th- things like um, uh, re- returning Bible to the school system and uh, and um, you know a, a, a public orientation uh, uh, to you know on on social issues, which is um which takes its tone from the Chris, christian moral vision that's one thing but at the same time that's that's not going to work if uh if the uh if we don't have some significant part of the public taking a look at themselves and their own lives and saying you know okay like i support conservative causes but 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 you know but actually my my life is completely liberal and uh, and I actually don't know anything about uh, about conservation and transmission. The only way to change that is to uh, join an Orthodox congregation, uh, Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, Orthodox, Christian, other. But you need to find a place where um, where the active daily transmission of the traditions is taking place mm. and you need to you as an individual you need to come to that congregation you know not with a feeling of you know yeah this is going to be some peripheral mm-hmm. thing on the side you need to come to it with um um uh with an attitude um you know i i would say an attitude of o- o- an openness to repentance an openness to um to saying you know i've actually been doing things wrong mm-hmm. and my goal here is not to, you know, be an equal to this congregation. My goal here is to learn, mm-hmm. and uh, when and, and you can do this at any age. I mean, older mm-hmm. people can also do this. It's not not only young people, but but the 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 crucial thing is to understand that that in healthy functioning um, Orthodox congregations, um, the old hierarchies are still there, you know, to to uh, uh, some significant extent or to a very great extent. And when you join, you join to learn. You, you've come to give honor to something that you don't understand. I mean, it, it's certainly not a requ- requirement that that you believe and that you know the traditions before you're even a member. Mm-hmm. But you come there to learn. You come there saying, transmission of the the great and the good things of our past has has ceased around me. I'm living in a barren place. I want to be part of that transmission again that means you come to the congregation as someone who is 
coming to give honor to things you don't understand. And when you give honor, then you become open to the possibility of learning. When once you start learning, you know, hopefully you'll 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 marry within, you know, within that church, within that synagogue. Uh, and then you'll learn from people who have handed down the traditions how to build the family that is itself a traditional family because almost no one knows how to you know do it in sort of general liberal society anymore. Mm-hmm. You get to you get to that point yourself, then your public your public activities. Right? I mean, I'm not saying that this is a retreat from public life, but when you're doing this in your personal life, your public life then becomes infused with a with a wisdom you just don't don't have mm-hmm. and we need a lot of people to do that I, i'm not saying everybody needs to do that but i'm but there needs to be a significant revival on the personal level that's th- that's the key to the public life without that it's not going to happen so i want to pick up on this because i think you're making a very interesting and important point that not a lot of our watchers or, or listeners may have heard before there's this um pastor that I've listened to uh, in the Midwest, uh, you know, recently took the helm uh, of a small church in a, in a rural community. And one of the things that he talks about is is kind of this influx recently over the last couple of years of these kinds of people that are not normally welcomed in like traditional evangelical churches. And we're talking about uh, truckers, people who work on farms, guys that wear, uh, you know, confederate flag vests to the mall like like different people that 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 you know a lot of like suburbanites and you know people that live in the city would would kind of look down on and something that he's talked about uh, in his conversations with these parishioners has been that they many of them grew up in nominally Christian homes, right? Like they may have been baptized as babies and they had like a general set of rules but didn't really grow up in the faith and in the last couple of years there's been this huge resurgence for them of like there's there's just you know i'm seeing all this trump stuff happening and i'm hearing about all these things on the news and i feel like there's got to be something more to this conservatism thing something that i'm missing and so this guy's church is just like it's like doubled in size in the last 6 months cuz all these you know, truckers are bringing their buddies to church and they're all getting involved and they're doing grill outs. It's very, very cool to hear about. But I want to ask about, I, I, I think a lot of people in D.C. chalk up this. Oh, there we go. It fell. <laughs> um, chalk up this uh, this kind of new conservative movement to class distinctions. I think a lot of people in D.C., uh, it's a theme I see quite frequently. Um of people saying, oh, yeah, it's it's this like middle to lower class revolution. Like it's because um, people feel like they've been unfairly treated yep. uh, economically. Yep. Um, this is just an economic <clears throat> issue. If we fix the economics of it, um, then everyone will be happy again. Um, how do you think that misses the point? Well, I, I actually I'm not sure it does miss the point. You know, I I, I, I mean. Uh, I, I'm not much of a class warrior, you know, because um, you know, being having a nationalist perspective means that you, your aim actually is to uh, is some some kind of unity, which means some kind of accommodation, which means compromise, mm-hmm. right, between between different parts of society. Um, so that can be, you know, uh, 
different religious groups or diff different um, ethnicities, but it's all also between classes. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm not blind and I, 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 I understand that the, uh, um, that the, um, the, 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 the more educated classes in America and in most Western countries at this point are, um, uh, hopelessly, <laughs> um, uh, swimming in uh, in in um in this kind of spectrum from you know from liberal to marxist or liberal to woke ideas and that makes it almost impossible for them <clears throat> almost impossible to imagine them uh participating in anything like the kind of restoration that we're talking about e e you know either personally or nationally mm -hmm. um so in 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 practice, the reality is that for the time being, um, this is going this is going to have a lot to do with class. I mean, just let, let, let's take something sim simple like 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 the Bible. You know, when I'm when I'm not talking political theory, um, I've written a couple of books on the Bible. I I uh, I, I I have taught seminars on um, on scripture for many many years, both you know theology and political theory of scripture. And um, and that's you know that's that's what I want to see being taught in universities. I mean, not you know, not as the only thing, but but for me, a very very big part of the the destruction of the universities is the you know the creation of a world you know of, of departments in which political theory is taught without scripture. You know, as as though the Bible is not a foundational part of you know, American and Western uh, political thought. And you can say that about many other departments in the universities. Um, so so I, I would love to see that kind of thing happen, but it, it it's not happening. The opposite is happening. Uh, conservatives are being, you know, driven out of it, a, 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 out of academia. You know, it, it, uh, they're, they're allowed to retire, um, sometimes in peace, sometimes in humiliation, <laughs> and, and, and they're not being replaced by new conservatives. And so what, what what that means is that that anybody who goes to get educated um, is educated towards thinking that uh, Bible and religion is is primitive. That that you know to be to to talk about scripture is to be a primitive, uneducated person. That's what uh, the universities implicitly teach uh, or explicitly. And so. Um, uh, so the the number of people in those settings who are you know who are who are uh, e even if the even if privately their heart you know reaches out to Christianity and they they they, they you know they 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 become a penitent and they become a, or or a convert or whatever and or or they 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 start going to Orthodox Jewish services and they they found their home there still in their public persona. They're not going to talk about this stuff because they're scared to death that everybody's going to think that they're a primitive. Okay, so in in that situation, it is going to be uh, apparently just overwhelmingly a matter of the the less educated public. Less educated doesn't mean that they're less intelligent. It doesn't mean that they're less moral. It doesn't mean anything of it, it about you know the quality of the people, other than that they haven't been. Uh, sucked into this brainwash ma machine that says, you know, you can only be a decent person if you're some kind of uh, progressive. 
so so there are tremendous strong powerful reasons why why this this is taking on the uh the appearance of a class uh of a class war class struggle um as i said i'm not in favor of that uh but um but i i think in practice that the uh um that it's the the people who feel like they've been left out that the things that they care about that their parents or grandparents cared about have been thrown aside that they're not you know they're not taken seriously they're mm -hmm. being taken advantage of there's a much better chance to see uh, them become the um the the uh, uh the force that changes the balance on this restoration that we're talking about mm -hmm. Uh, zooming out to the the national question, uh, if the goal is to establish some sort of unity, I mean, it, that, that's the goal of the left as well, right? Like they're playing for the whole pie. They're not interested in creating Marxist utopias in the several states. Their project is national and even international in scope. And uh, it's it's quite imperialistic. And so if that makes it an unstoppable force, do you think that there is weakness built into a vision of the right that's just trying to preserve a sort of uh, a Christian civilization in in red states. Do do you think that that ultimately will is a tactical error, and that a, a you need a a more imperialistic vision to fight an imperialistic vision? Um, well, that's that, you're right. That's the, I mean, that's not actually my vision. My 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 actual vision is is. Um, you know, is, is international. I, 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 I chair the Edmund Burke Foundation. The Edmund Burke Foundation um, uh, operates in quite a few countries at this point. It's uh, our, our, our aim is a, uh, is an alliance of independent nations, as uh, FDR once put it, God-fearing God independent nations. Um, and uh, uh, and we, we, we operate within the democratic framework. We're not, you know, we're 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 not interested in Putin supporters or in G supporters. We're looking for a um, to ad advance a vision of democratic nations uh, allied and 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 under God. And um, but to get to get back to the the practical question, you know, of what's the point of this? Um, uh, restoration of public Christianity and conservative tradition in states where it could happen, mm -hmm. or in European countries where it could happen, and I think uh, I think that that's the the reason for 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 thinking in that way for the you know for the uh, for the immediate future is because that's the only route um, that. That I can see that will allow um, experiments in, you know, what 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 would a uh, uh, what would a, a state or country governed with a uh, thick um, uh, Christian and biblical conservatism? What would it look like? You know, mm -hmm. because uh, it, it it's very easy to to invent, you know, angelic utopian fantasies and dystopian nightmares. And, um, and and all of it is sort of beside the point because until you actually have, you know, a, a examples, and I, I think this is you know the, the, this is why so many, uh, you know, a, a conservative intellectuals in the in in the states and 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 in Europe have been 
you know, going and visiting places like like Poland and Hungary. It's not, you know, not not because the um, and and Israel, I think, also is an example that 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 goes there. It's it's not because you know you can simply adopt you know what's going on in any of those countries to the United States or to another. I mean, it, you 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 can't you can't simply transfer what you know what, what works in one country is not necessarily something that's going to work in another country. But um, the the reason people are going there is because they um, because they they want to see what what does conservative democracy look like right like so we're against putin and we're against xi and we don't want the, the woke thing and we know that that uh that the hegemony of liberal ideas just collapses into the woke thing so we need something else but but we also need to know that we can respect it we need to know that we can that, that we can actually like it and live with it mm. and so so um in in the united states i i i think the the clear route is um, start constructing uh, models of conservative democracy in American states, and and let's see it perform. Like let let's see it happen. Let's that you know this is this is what federalism was you know was supposed to be about is let's do the experiment and see does you know does it turn into you know you know the an in, intolerable repressive theocracy like our. You know, you know, like like our detractors say, yeah. or actually, is it a better model? Maybe it'll turn out that that you run that experiment and and people start flocking to mm -hmm. go live there. Maybe maybe the it, kingdom of Ron DeSantis being the best example. <laughs> right? Well, it it it's the beginning. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know if it's yet conservative democracy, but 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 the DeSantis gives us an example of what a, what a governor can do. Um, when his clear vision and and uh, and a significant coalition behind him, mm -hmm. let, let, let's do more of that. And if it's successful, then others will imitate it. Others will be inspired. Uh, it, it, it'll it'll you know domino effects you know don't always work in the direction of you know people becoming more Marxist. Mm -hmm. it, having success successful um, conservative democracies, Christian democracies uh, will inspire people and move them mm -hmm. to to um, bring it up to to uh, in, in other places mm -hmm. and uh, that's the only choice the only way to to restore anything without war yeah so let's let's try that tell us a little bit about the Israel example because until I would say the last 10 years when when Hungary and Poland some of the Visegrad states um, and and others uh, really kind of came into their own Israel was basically the only example of a of a first to second world country that was kind of in the West that didn't hate itself <laughs> and didn't want to commit national suicide every month. Um, why do you think that is? What, 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 what do you think the uh, governing elements of that were? What do you think the cultural elements of that were? Um, and, and the policy elements, I would say, as, as well. Well, I, 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 I have to, I have to, I appreciate the positive description. I have to correct it just a little bit. In in two thousand, I wrote a book called "The Jewish State," which was, uh, in large part, a a history of the idea of Israel as a Jewish national state. And and it's you know I, I it's I think it's highly accessible to and interesting to uh, to uh, non Jews and non Israelis um, because of the fact that you get to see you do get to see how the model works. But part of what the reason I wrote the book was because <clears throat> was because of the um, uh, 
because by the 1970s, Israel's academics were largely hostile to the country that they lived in. Mm -hmm. And in fact, until recently, Mm -hmm. I, I, I just thought that Israel in that respect, you know, the, 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 the intellectuals just, you know, uh, opposing the national and religious traditions of their own people. Um, until recently, I thought that Israel was, you know, way ahead of mm-hmm. America. In fact, in the last few years, America's, you know, and Britain have bypassed Israel and now are much worse. But um, the same, the same problem that uh, the the intellectuals and the elites flock to liberalism. And then their liberal, liberalism turns into something significantly more aggressive uh, and worse. Uh, Israel's also an example of that. Mm-hmm. So w- w- what is what is true about Israel is that um, uh, it, is, it, Israelis still have, and I'm taking the broad population mm-hmm. rather than you know the elites, but even some in the elites, Israelis still have. Um, a, uh, a a love of nation, meaning a, a, a love of the Jewish people and a love of uh, the Israeli nation as mm-hmm. kind uh, the uh, Israel Israeli national state as uh, as the the expression of the Jewish people and its history. It's not like the United States where it's like declasse to like your own country quite yet. <laughs> In certain circles, it is, mm-hmm. but those circles are small. Mm. Okay, so uh, it it the 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 broad public wants is is uh, is pro Jewish and pro Israel, you know, to different degrees and in different ways. But but broadly, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a clear um, sense that serving in the military is, uh, you know, it's a it's a, it's a duty. I mean, people can get out of it if they you know if they really want to get out of it, they can get out of it. But but most people do do serve in the military for years, and uh, and they do have children. I mean, the the uh, Israel's kind of a, a miracle in in the Western world because uh, because it's the decline of the birth rate in Israel has reversed itself, and for the last twenty years, um, the, uh, the 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 Jewish population in Israel is having um, more children every year than the previous year. Um, God, God willing. That's still true to this day. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, so the, uh, the, the Jewish birth rate is now, uh, uh, it's just nudging over three children per family, Wow. which, which means that it's, you know, it's almost double where, you know, where the United States is, Mm -hmm. uh, is apparently reaching and it's, it's much more than double most European countries. And, um, you know, and that's that's a uh, that's across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And religious families do have more children, but the the growth is not taking place. Like the 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 increasing birth rate is not taking place in the religious sector. Mm-hmm. It's taking place in the general the general public. The middle of the bell curve. Yeah, which of, is yeah. which is just people who who are um, at least at at that level re- rejecting rejecting liberal individualism and saying uh, no, I I I I. I want I want a future for for the Jewish people mm-hmm. and for the state of Israel and mm-hmm. and having a, a a a future for the things I believe in means I have to have children I have to mm-hmm. I have to raise them. Do you think that the geopolitical situation Israel finds itself in over the last 60 years where it's sort of 
attacked from all sides. It's it's constantly under threat of missiles flying over. Do, do you think that that is part of what coheres Israel as a nation and, and gives people the sense of urgency to live like that? Do you think that if if there was a sustained period of peace, some of that would would a trit away? I mean, how, how do you think about that factor? I, I, I think it is a factor. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's unfortunate. I, you know, I'd, I, I, I'd like to say, um, you know, pe uh, that that you you know you don't need war in order for people to to care about you know their nation surviving and handing down the traditions. But uh, but I think that uh, we had an we had an experiment. It wasn't an experiment with peace. It was an experiment with with uh, with a you know with a false vision of you know like a messianic hope in the 1930s uh, not, i'm sorry not 1990s and um um yeah you, to, to understand it israel in the 1990s and its turn to what was called post zionism and, and which was was really an abandonment of the uh, of the jewish heritage of the country and um, and uh, a, a desire to abandon the borders and to create a new Middle East that would be like Benelux, you know, like the European <laughs> Union. I'm not. I'm not kidding. There was a large part of the the public that was swept up in in um, Shimon Peres, you know, uh, who was uh, uh, an important polit political figure, sometimes prime minister. Um, uh, you know, a, a great, great man who did lots of lots of important things for Israel. But he he wrote this mm -hmm. book in 1995 called "The New Middle East," and and his vision was uh, that uh, that uh, you know liberal secular Jews would would link up with liberal secular Arabs, and and together they'd fight the fundamentalists, and we wouldn't need borders. There'd be like a, a, a you know like like. Nations would end, and and it was the same as the vision in Europe. The UN's pipe dream. <laughs> it's, the, it's the John. It's the the, the John Lennon thing. And, 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 and no, but look, how did this happen? Uh, you, you have to see Israel then as part of this great utopian wave that swept, you know, the entire democratic world. And if the Berlin Wall, Wall falls in 1989. The Soviet Union got, is gone in 1991. And by 1991, you have you know George H. W. Bush talking about how you know his new world order. You go back and read that speech. I mean, it it it's I'm sorry, it's like deranged. He he's like saying for you know for a thousand generations, mankind has sought you know and has failed, but we in this generation we're you know we're we're going to bring the entire world. We're going to end the, the the rule of the jungle. We're going to bring the entire world under law. So that it. If you don't understand that that there was this, you know, drunken um, uh, feeling of godlike power that anything was possible, um, and 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 plenty of, um, you know, I don't I don't know what to say, just just kind of weak minds that were 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 so caught up in in this this arrogance and this inflated ego thing that they really thought that that. All of human history was going to come to an end, and 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 you know peace peace would peace would rule the planets, and mm. and they were going to do it. And this is the you know this is the explanation for how um, for uh, the Treaty of Maastricht and the establishment of the the you know the the EU under a single 
uh, constitution, which you know, was, was obviously rolling in the federalist direction, and, and a lot of people are still pushing that, the left in Europe. It was the moment when um, the decision was made, we'll give back Hong Kong, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, um, uh, bring China into the World Trade Organization, uh, we'll, we'll have free trade, it'll turn China into a liberal democracy. So at that moment of you know, absolute detachment from reality, um, Israel also detached from reality, and, uh, and, and the, the Israeli left um, thought that they were going to you know, uh, make, you know, make peace with terrorist organizations. And um, the, uh, the Israeli fantasy that, you know, the war was permanently over lasted from 1993 until 2001. I mean, so, so in a certain sense, I mean, it was horrible, but in a certain sense, Israel was awakened more quickly than the rest mm -hmm. of the world because, because by 2001, um, uh, these uh, reckless peace overtures had had brought um, uh, active international t terrorist organizations in up to Israel's borders, meaning I'm, I'm sorry, up to the borders of Israel's cities, right outside Tel Aviv, right outside Jerusalem, and Haifa and Beersheba, and and 2001 we st we started getting suicide bombers literally every day on public buses in the cafes every. In, in every major place in Israel. That that lasted for four or five years. And by the time it ended, uh, the, there, there weren't any utopians left. Mm. You know, I mean, no, no significant politician was, mm. you know, was, was a leftist utopian who, who, <clears throat> who thought, you know, we're, we're, we're just bringing universal peace. So the, the, the question you asked before is very astute. When did the dropping Israeli birth rate turn around and become a rising Jewish birth rate in Israel. And and the point of the, the point when it turned is 2001. Mm -hmm. mm. So um I, I you know that that that's not a coincidence. Right. People um you remember we talked a little bit about um people you know people compete with one another until a threat or an enterprise from the outside forces them to unite, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, it, at least this particular eight years looked exactly like that. It looks looked like you know people saying you know I don't I don't owe my country anything. I don't you know and and I don't I don't owe my tradition, my religion. I don't need to have children. That was the direction, you know, for that decade, and. Uh, and as soon as the bombs started going off in the cafes, as soon as you knew that you, you know, you literally didn't know if you were going to see your, your, you know, your, your your kids again at the end of the school day because because you didn't know what, what would that there wouldn't be a bomb going off on their bus, and at that point people just started having more children and 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 knew they have to fight, and it's hard for people to understand. Children are not a you know, they're not only you know a means of self-expression. You know that's like optional. Like, do you feel like uh, you know having fun with a small child or not for the next <laughs> few years? Um, a ch a, a children are a lifelong commitment. Um, you you never stop being their parents. They never stop needing you. You know when they have families of their own and they they start having children, they need need you even more than they needed you before. Mm -hmm. That's a lifelong commitment, 
and it's and and because it's a lifelong commitment and you don't know who your children are going to be you you know you you, you don't know whether they're going to be uh, uh uh brilliant and 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 superstars at stuff or whether whether they're going going to be um uh alcoholics or 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 have you know other severe problems you, you don't know like god's deciding this mm-hmm. and so it's an act of faith it's a it's a it's a huge act of faith to have a child the the, the faith that you and your wife are going to be together around you know for for all the decades till the end to to be there for for, for to, to help that child that that act of faith it, it it turns out that it's not you can't you can't separate it from faith in your nation faith in your god faith in your i'm not saying every person who has a child has you know b- believes in god but these these things are they're integrally mm-hmm. co- connected in such a way that people are having children it's much easier for them to begin mm-hmm. to believe in god mm-hmm. and 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 people who who care about their nation it's much easier for them to have children mm-hmm. The other element of Israeli society that I find interesting, there was a recent piece by, I think, Leah Leibowitz um, on the economy of Israel, what it was like for the tech uh, sector, the venture capital industry, um, the sort of rising high-tech economy in, in Israel, and what that has done to the, the sociological and cultural and religious uh, texture of the country. Um, he, he makes an argument that it is ultimately... You know, the poison pill that could lead to Israel's decline, that it'll just become another Silicon Valley. Um, what what do you make of that aspect of it, the, the potential downsides of the material prosperity that Israel has enjoyed? Well, I, 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 I generally agree with Leal's picture. I think it was a very fine essay. I think that, um, that, um, that the, the warning that, uh, prosperity can come with uh, uh, with with downsides is is apt and it's important, but but I I you know I I don't think avoiding prosperity is the is uh, is the answer. Um, you know, Ir- 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 Irving Christ- Crystal, who um, you know had a big influence on you know as I said on uh, on on the Princeton Tory, um, he was uh, I. I I think he regarded himself as you know still hanging on to to liberalism, but but his his essays were ferociously critical, uh, critical of liberalism, and uh, and and the reason is because he he considered the market, uh, and and the sort of like the unbridled freedom, he considered that to be a kind of a universal solvent that would wreck every bond of loyalty. You know every tradition, every bond of loyalty, every every kind of, you know, a willingness to think of something larger than than yourself. He saw he he saw that in in operating in the free market, and he um, he said it's uh, conservatism has to be built on three things: um, religion first, nationalism second, and economic growth third. Uh, that doesn't mean that he didn't, you know, support uh, su- support the free market as the uh, as the best engine for economic growth. Economic growth is, I mean, it it's not only good 
you know, because it's better for people to eat well and it's better for people to, you know, to have more, more options. But, but, but even if you're only, even if you were only looking at it from the perspective of, you know, the, 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 the survival of your, your, your nation in a world of competition, you need economic growth. Economic growth is what allows you to, to defend yourself, to defend your borders, to, to do anything that you need to do. So, so I, I don't have any inclination to, to turn against um, against economic growth, but the change that we uh, that we need um, is to look at it in terms of what does it do for the nation. Mm-hmm. And th- this is um, I, I I go into the, this this issue at some length in 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 my new book on conservatism that the um, in in the Anglo American tradition, the conservative tradition, uh, individual liberties are um crucial but they're only one principle you know the uh the the if you if you look at the preamble to the american Const- constitution there's uh seven different seven different principles seven different purposes that are described as the you know the aim of the american national government uh, one of them is securing the blessings of uh, uh of uh, of liberty but um the- which is different than just liberty qua liberty you can say that, but even but even even if you just even if you just just grant grant that one, you know, to the to to, to the libertarians, fine. But 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 look at it. It's balanced against a concern for the general welfare. It's balanced against uh, um, uh, the capacity to mount a common defense. It's balanced against. I mean, the 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 first purpose of the American Constitution is is a more perfect union. And more, a more perfect union is. I mean, that that is talking about that 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 reflects the experience of the Americans during eleven horrible years of uh, of 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 trying to trying to wage a war of independence in a in a condition where thirteen different countries, um, the thirteen states were thirteen independent countries that there was no capacity for for national taxation there was no capacity to raise a national army there was no capacity to for, to to uh, to enforce treaties I mean if you're gonna have a peace treaty uh, the, then th- there's no way to make the states actually participate in the peace treaty people don't I think people just don't understand this that the 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 first American Constitution uh, the you know the the uh, the the most liberal, free, free freedom oriented, uh, rationalist uh, 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 constitution was the one of 1777, which people call the Articles of the Confederation, and th- that constitution brought America to the point where, in order to move troops to Yorktown, they had to they had they had to raise money for private individuals. They had like <laughs> private people writing checks to make it possible to move, to, to move the armies. I mean, you, you, you cannot live like this. You, you actually need to have a strong, a, a, a strong national government for some purposes. That, that doesn't mean, you know, that, that you need, you know, 4 million employees getting into, you know, every aspect of people's lives. But, but the, the idea of, a, 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 of a strong national government mm-hmm. And a constitution that makes it possible. So take a look, mm-hmm. think, think, think about what um, a more perfect, a more perfect union as a goal of government is. The goal of government there is to create national cohesion. It's to 
to figure out, you know, what do you need to do? What do you, what's the economy of honors among the different tribes, the different states, the different, what, what do you need to do to bring them into loyalty to one another? What, you need to give something to each of them. They need to start talking differently. What can you do in order to get to the point where, where you know, so, somebody, from, somebody from Massachusetts and somebody from California, or, or we, let's say somebody from Massachusetts and somebody from Alabama say, yeah, I'm, I, I'm loyal to, to this union. That's the first person, the first purpose of government. And, the, and so, uh, of course, the, we have these uh, strong, strong traditions of individual liberties, and, and, and they're wonderful in many ways, but they, they have to be limited by other principles. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, otherwise, you're just a utopian, you wreck your country. Dr. Zoni, you have many critics, um, and I find the kind of left-leaning ones ultimately uninteresting, but uh, the right-leaning ones kind of come in three broad categories, and uh, I think you know there's lots of people who just argue these things in bad faith because you're doing something, and uh, people are always jealous of people that are doing something, but um, you know, entertain us on this. So the category of people who think that you misunderstand the founding, the category of people who believe that America was rotten from the beginning and that it's an inherently liberal project and it's uh, destined to failure. And then the category of people who are like, you know, what's a Jewish guy from Israel doing telling us Americans how to li- live in America? What, what, what's your answer to, to, to each, um, uh, you know, broad category of critiques to, to close us out? Well, let's start with Jew- Jewish, guy, <laughs> Jewish guy from, from Israel. Um, I, I uh, my, uh, first of all, I was I was born in Israel. I I I grew up in New Jersey, and I was ed- educated at uh, uh, Princeton and Rutgers, two lovely liberal liberal universities. And um, uh, my my wife and I moved to you know m- moved to Israel after university. We raised our family there. I served in the Israeli military. My children serve in the Israeli military. And um, you know, from for a lot of my career, my my primary uh, concern and what I did with my time was uh, worrying about you know this this uh, little Jewish country perched at the edge of a volcano, and uh, you know my wife and I and our friends um, we we just thought that that was that was the front that was the front line. We thought that uh, that Israel was in was was in weak shape and that America was in pretty good shape and Europe was in good shape and that was the right place to make a stand. And um, uh, my my life changed in in 2016 when uh, when um, uh, uh, one of my professor mentors uh, called me up in February of 2016 and said, "Yoram, um, put everything you're doing aside and and write the book on nationalism because we need it." This is an American professor who who had known me for years, and. Um, and I, I, I looked at what was happening, and I saw uh, American Britain tearing each other, tearing, I'm sorry, tearing, tearing themselves apart internally, just descending into um, uh, hatred and dysfunctionality. And uh, I, I, I felt like if I didn't write that book on nationalism, then you know, who was going to write it? And uh, and it's turned out like that. I mean, the, 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 there are some other good good books on nationalism from uh, uh, from from that time. Um, uh, Rich Lowry has a take that's much more you know that that that's a, a lot more um, uh, a lot 
a lot more liberal, we can say, than mine. Um, but it's a very good book. But the, I, I think that, that what I saw then has just turned out to be true, that um, I only go where I'm invited. Mm -hmm. You know, and, um, and I, <clears throat> since, since writing The Virtue of Nationalism, um, there's, there's no end to, uh, to people in America and in European nations and elsewhere uh, who want me there. And they, they, they want me there because, um, because they, uh, they, they, they want to restore, they want to return, they want to strengthen their countries, and they feel like um, I'm expressing something that speaks to them. And I'll tell you something funny about this international, you know, it's basically turning into a, you know, like kind of like a nationalist international yeah. that, that in all these different countries, yeah. um, uh, people want to hear about national conservatism and, and, and they hear it and they say, um, sounds pretty good. <laughs> that, that's it. That's what we need. Yeah. So I'll tell you something really funny about this Orthodox Jewish thing is that a lot of people have told me, um, you know, we wouldn't trust the, you know, the nationalists from other countries. You know, we trust ourselves, but you know, the nationalists in that other country and they name some other place, you know, we don't know if we can trust them, but you're an Orthodox Jew and we trust you. And if if you are vouching for these ideas and if you're checking into these people, mm -hmm. now I just want to say that, you know, that doesn't mean I, that, you know, I and my colleagues mm -hmm. um, in, in the Edmund, Edmund Burke Foundation, I don't want to say we never mm -hmm. make mistakes. We're, mm -hmm. we're working hard on this, but mm -hmm. but we work really hard in order to uh, to bring together people who are conservative and nationalist and inclined in, in, inclined to faith but have no truck with um you know with with uh, with putinism with dictatorship with with you know fantasies of how you know xi has the key to 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 running the running the world uh we we we're, we are not interested in you know white identitarians and we're not in, interested in uh um you know basically the 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 attempt to run a right-wing revolution that's not conservative the attempt to throw out everything that a thousand years of uh anglo-american experience trying to build a a biblically oriented um uh society that that is both just and free throwing all of that out in order to you know experiment with caesarism like we we work hard to find the people who are uh, who are on board with this program, um, and uh, and people really do. It's strange, but they many people really do trust me because because I'm Jewish, and uh, and uh, some of them admire Israel, but some of them it's that they just they just think that um, they they feel that an Orthodox Jew would be more careful than other people. Mm -hmm. Um, so look, you know, I, I'm not going to go where I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go where I'm not wanted. And, uh, and, uh, as long, but as long as people keep saying, um, you know, uh, we, people like, uh, you know, uh, Tom Paine, you know, uh, and Jefferson, you know, f went to France in order to like help them with their horrible revolution. So, um, I, 
I, I think it's reasonable to say if uh, if Americans or Brits or others, if they, they they need help and they think my services would be helpful, then you know, then I'm, I'm I want to help them. I mean. We, in the end, we are all fighting one fight. Dr. Ozoni, how can people find you? This episode's coming out after your book uh, is uh, is uh, released. Uh, wh- wh- where can people find everything that you're up to? Uh, well, th- th- there's a there's a personal website, uh, uh, Um If if you you want to follow me and my writings, uh, it, it's there. Uh, probably uh, more important is uh, nationalconservatism.org, which is a it, it's a a clearinghouse website that uh, uh, that has uh, new books, new videos. Uh, uh, it, it's updated daily with uh, with new essays uh, being written by people uh, uh, in, in our movement from mm-hmm. from America and abroad. And uh, come 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 take a look. NatCon three, uh, our our annual bash will be in uh, Miami this year, September eleventh through thirteenth. And I I. I hope that you and all your friends are going to be there. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Hazoni, for coming on the podcast, taking time out of your busy schedule here, and thank you for everything that you do. I would go as far as to say that was one of the best interviews of Dr. Hazoni that I've seen. Um, he uh, hosts a podcast where he does a lot of long-form interviews, but he's not often on the the other end of that, certainly not from a friendly perspective. There's not that many friendly podcasts to his perspective, so we were uh, really honored to be able to do that. Um, if you're listening to this in the week that it publishes, there is a book launch event happening that I'm sure you can find. The Intercollegiate Studies Institute is putting it on. The book is out. You should definitely go buy it um, and uh, and be sure to engage with, with all the great work they're doing over at, at National Conservatism Conference go to National Conservatism Conference later this year. Uh, I believe it's in Miami and they have a save the date up for some time in the fall. It's September 11th through the 13th. Okay. Very good with dates. There you go. Um, And so uh, we'll probably be there and uh, we'll have a lot of friends there too. So so highly recommend doing that. As always, rate and review the podcast five stars. It really helps us in the rankings. You guys have been trucking away. I I, I went back and looked at how many ratings we have recently, uh, just today actually, and was like, oh, it's over 120 of them. So you guys are doing what we're asking. We are sincerely appreciative. Go subscribe on YouTube if you want to see the video version of this podcast. We put in a good deal of effort to make sure that you can see our guests' pretty faces on screen. YouTube uh, or Rumble if you love America. That's right. Uh, YouTube did take down our Steve Bannon interview. So uh, Rumble is really the, the main move at this point. Um, and you can follow us on Getter, too, when we're doing the alt tech plugs. Um, uh, you know, you can subscribe to our email list at AmericanMoment.org. You can see the stuff we're putting on Amcan in the backlog of this podcast. Uh, tons of stuff always going on. Uh, potentially some parties coming up in the summer. Uh, just keep an eye out. Uh, and uh, we'll see you guys next week on Moment of Truth. Moment of Truth is an American Moment Studios production filmed at the Conservative Partnership Center. Our podcast is produced and edited by Jake Mercier and Jared Cummings. Our intro music is A Minor Struggle by Ryan Serenich. Don't forget to like and subscribe on all platforms, and you can go to AmericanMoment.org to learn more. Thank you.